0: Welcome to today's Life Coach Pod, the show. And we have a great guest who's here today, Shelly Carpatti. and I'm going to start with my usual, which is to remind you what day it is. It's a Tuesday. Tuesdays are easy to forget because we get through Monday and then every day is looking the same. So yes, it's Tuesday, April 14th. Tomorrow used to be tax day, but in our new world. We all have an extension until the middle of July. That doesn't mean you should languish because if you really do wanna participate in the PPP, Payroll Protection Program, which may or may not be out of money already, so we're gonna check on that, but the, the lead, our leadership is working on addition, adding more funds. Anyway, my point is if you wanna take advantage of that plan or IDLE, if you have a bigger business that needs to take advantage of the EIDL, you need to get your taxes done. Yes, I still am telling myself this every day, but I have actually started, and that's how Katie started her Easter, is that she had to start going through old mail and hunt for tax documents. So it wasn't an Easter egg, but it kept her busy, and we're not done yet. It is March 45th, for those of you staying, sheltering in place. We are hearing rumors of maybe resuming some kind of life, so When that happens, the show will no longer be live. I'm still going to do it, but I won't necessarily be doing it live because hopefully all of us will be resuming a little bit of life, but I'll keep you informed on that one. I've made a little switch. I'm going to tell you who our guests are coming up so I can dig into the news in a minute for our time capsule moments. But coming up tomorrow is Gloria Nial, who is going to talk about how to motivate your teen. Why does she know about that? She doesn't have kids, except she does. She coaches teenagers, which surprisingly probably doesn't pay enough but she'll be here to talk to us about how to motivate teens both now and in the future and then laurel will be here to talk about branding and naming and then michelle quay will be here to talk about the power of self-perception she is an amazing woman who has overcome a lot in her life and i'm not quite sure how she'll tell the story but i do know that this, the power of self-perception has been huge for her okay so here's your time capsule moments. So when we all look back on this and wonder what the heck happened, this will help us remember. An Indiana man who is also a volunteer firefighter went to go get his uh, check for $1,200 from the feds out of the ATM. And on his statement, the little slip of paper that came out, it said that he had $8.2 million. Turns out, even though he had, I guess, a heart attack in the moment thinking, oh, my God, what's happened? That's not just a typo, is it? 8.2 million? Um, what really happened is that the receipt printer thingy code that was printing receipts was printing the numbers wrong. So I have to tell you that story because if you look at your receipt and it doesn't make sense, please don't believe it don't ever believe those receipts. Always make sure you know what's going on with your bank, check your online account. But I just would love to be the proud owner of the receipt that even said I had 8.2 million dollars, even if it was a typo. That seems like a keeper from these times. The next thing I wanted to bring up, because it's awful and it's finally hitting the news, is that nursing homes are being hit hard by the virus. Anybody who knows me knows I have an affection for geezers. The first geezer I ever took care of was Grandma Watson when I was just a little wee child. And she taught me how to crochet, which I still do today. And I adored Grandma Watson. She actually lived in the home of, she was the mom of people that I thought were really, really old who were in their 60s. Grandma Watson was in her 90s. And so we used to also go over and hang out at the chambers and have what they called snorts, which were, um. They had adult beverages we had coca-cola which by we weren't allowed to have coca-cola at home so it was a big deal to have coca-cola anyway I love old people they're the bomb and I am just devastated about what's happening in our nursing homes as if we couldn't have seen it coming but one of the issues as you know has been personal protection equipment masks all of that so if you have somebody in a nursing home I want you to be paying attention to the story they're starting to look for ways to move people out including just get them back home if that's something you can support, but please pay attention to the story. It's a big deal and we don't want our geezers to be in trouble. Okay, the last story is gonna make me kick up a new slide. This is a big deal because if you have a mortgage, and and the reason this might even be of interest to you if you're a renter is one of the problems about being being able to withhold rent, like give you a break on rent, is that if you own the property, you still owe on the mortgage. So I was really thinking that our government might be do something as simple as, just shove our payments out. Like we just don't make our payments this month or next month. And we just extend the life of the loan. It all just shoves over. But no, 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 there's something else going on. And it was not part of the CARES Act. And we've talked about this before. This is the C-A-R-E-S Act, that the first piece of legislation that came out for the virus There are um, amendments being made and extensions to the CARES Act going on right now. That's what has to happen for that payroll protection program. They have to extend the CARES Act. But what you may not realize is that there is not anything in place right now to protect mortgages and people who owe on mortgages. So while you may have a hard time making rent, your landowner may have a hard time making the mortgage. What they're doing instead, and this is why you need to learn this new word, forbearance, is that they are Using forbearance for mortgages. And this is not particularly good. I watched a video on this this morning. What it really means is all they're doing is saying, okay, you don't have to pay for typically it's 90 days or maybe 180 days, but here you go. Here's the gotcha. When that forbearance is over, which means you don't have to pay, your payments are postponed, but the interest continues growing. So on a mortgage, you know that's significant then you're gonna owe at the end of those 90 or 180 days, you're gonna owe the whole amount due. It's not pushing your payments forward. It's basically saying you're gonna have to owe it all. So it is not helpful. It's not helpful at all. Actually, it's, it's horrifying if you think about it, who's gonna be able to come up with those kind of payments after 90 or 180 days? So please, if you're looking for mortgage relief, you've got to work with your lender, but if they bring up the word forbearance, I want you to have uh, your oh my God hat on and pay attention to that. They're not doing you a favor. You're gonna need to fight harder. So that's where we are with the word forbearance. That is your time capsule moments for the day. And I will now transition to our guest, who is Shelly Carpatty, who I worked with. (laughs) who's coming in? It's, it's okay, Shelly. Don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. Don't <laughs> bring the dog. No. After what happened on MSNBC this morning, we we got this down, I got to tell you. I, it was hilarious to listen to a guest go, this is the worst interview I've ever done. I'm so sorry. His <laughs> phone blew up. His phone kept blowing up. It was hilarious. So Shelly and I worked together, oh, I think it's four years now, Shelly. I can't believe it. Yeah. It's like maybe yeah. four years, which doesn't yeah. feel like it, but it, it might be in the cyber security sector yes and um i loved her energy and her optimism and i don't usually play well with hr people but i played really well with shelly because she's just a positive upbeat person and was uh, and didn't play by the rules is what i felt like just wasn't typical so and that's a good thing sorry all the other hr people i just insulted be like Shelly, That's what I feel like. <laughs> anyway, um, Shelly's worked in recruiting. She's um, doing. Uh, she's wearing many hats these days as she's uh, out working. And I'm gonna let her go ahead and say more about herself. But Shelly, I'm so glad to see you. Thank you for coming today.
1: Thank you so much, Jennifer. And I I feel the same way. It was so great working with you um, during that time in cybersecurity land. Um, and we had some we had some really good times. I learned so much there and uh you're right yes I don't, I don't i'm not a typical hr person um sometimes hr and recruiting get along and sometimes they don't um sometimes we're together and sometimes we're not but um in any case i have had um I have a history of working in recruiting for over 20 years in Silicon Valley. I've worked in companies um, in tech, and um, I recently made the transition. Um, I had I had one stint at Pete's Coffee and Tea, which was so much fun being in the CPG world um, and working with lots of creatives, and that made me realize that, gosh, I, there's something about this. I need to stick with it. So as I progressed, then I came back, and I started working in um, after that uh, consulting uh, recruiting role ended, I started working in care and um, the life sciences, and I really enjoyed recruiting for um, for, for to benefit people's health um, in various capacities. So that was really rewarding. But what I always find rewarding about being a recruiter is helping the candidate. I'm always about finding the candidate's um, strengths and you know, in a sense, helping the underdog, um, because I think that it's, you know, they, they, they really are the underdog in the, in the whole, um, job, pro- uh, hunting and interview process. So I, I, really like to help people put their best step forward. And that's why I transitioned into becoming a coach. Uh, and so, and then I expanded my, um, coaching into writing. I've been writing for the last three years. So I really love writing about, um, you know, different topics everything from living and, living and working in Silicon Valley to helping with career advice and, um, and then just some personal essays and observations about life. So, um, I've got a lot of different interests and, um, and also the Enneagram. So, um, I'm excited to talk about that today as well and how it can benefit people.
0: I love that you just did the classic Silicon Valley thing of saying CPG, which everybody went, what's
1: CPG? <laughs> I know, right? Consumer packaged goods. That's right. So that's
0: <laughs> And that's not Valley. Valley doesn't do a lot of consumer stuff. In right. fact, there's a big difference between how marketing happens in the West Coast, in the Valley, the left coast, and how it's done on the East Coast, which is much more of a consumer influence. And you come out of um, East Coast school with the three P's, product pricing and promotion, and we don't do that the same way (laughs) in Silicon Valley, usually because we're making crap up about things that nobody can even articulate. Like (laughs) our biggest challenge is just being able to be able to articulate what the thing is that some genius engineer just came up with that you didn't know you need. Uh, It's interesting also, because I do remember you being a big advocate of the uh, candidate, which I, that's one of the things that I really appreciated about you, because I think when you're the candidates, that's the hardest part. We we know as candidates, we don't get callbacks. We don't get replies to, we just always are sending our emails off into that vast unknown. What happens on the recruiting side? Because you must, as a recruiter, you must get just overwhelmed from people who are interested.
1: Yes. I mean, I think it depends on the company's brand. Um, So if the company's brand is really big and well-known in the different industries, then yes, the the recruiters are overwhelmed with candidates. Um, And it also depends on how many positions they are working on. So oftentimes a, a recruiter's sweet spot, to be able to give each Opening um, sufficient amount of time and energy. The sweet spot is for a recruiter to hold 10 roles at a time however, a lot of times in Silicon Valley The the recruiters are pushed and they're holding 20 or more and it's simply impossible for the recruiter to um, Give the candidate an optimal experience when they are having lots of hiring managers barking at them wanting resumes You know needing to do the phone screens. So it's it's a very um, intricate process. And the recruiter, and why I don't say that the recruiter is really um, part of HR, they're really should be, they're the front lines. They're really the marketing and sales of the employers or part of the organization. So unfortunately, um, the candidates are not going to be always looked at unless they're referred. So being referred by someone internally or um, introduced by someone else. So it's really about networking to get noticed.
0: Okay, so that's so important because you brought up the other thing and that I think we forget when, we're the, when we become the candidate, we forget how annoying the hiring manager is for you because they're the one that's doing the double work or triple work or put, pushing their team to do more without that headcount they really need. Then they also have the hassle of knowing they're going to have to onboard the headcount, get them started, do all that crap. That's a lot of work. So you have to deal with that nattering of the managers coming at you. I think this is so important for people applying to here. So don't just remember, there's a lot coming at this recruiter. And what you just said was so important, unless there's some way to get your little piece of paper to the top of the pile, which is why we use LinkedIn, guys. That's how you go find... Even a friend who has a friend at the place you want to apply, those things matter. Makes a huge difference, right, child? Yes. It just gets you yes. off it's, the stack, into the folder maybe.
1: Exactly, exactly. And so I think that it really, um, it definitely helps. So that's why, especially today, you know, no, ma- no matter how much um you prepare for your job search a fair amount of the process is out of your control and it highly depends on timing and so the time frame in which you seek a new job can dictate everything from the quantity to the type of opportunities you find and also to the amount of negotiation power you ultimately have so and then you know in today's you know job search um it's really, you know, with this economic disruption, um, it's really just um, hard enough to know how to adjust to this new normal in your home life and, um, and also need to secure your own livelihood. It adds an additional level of pressure. So I just want to recognize that. And I, I just think it's super important to be patient. Um, and there are, but however, there are some really good things that we can still do now during this time. So I'd be happy to talk about that if that would be helpful. Yeah, I
0: think that's. Let me just um, let me just close on one thing that you said because it's really important. Is that our ability to negotiate right now is going to be hampered by a really huge market of potential employees? So I understand that you can um, negotiate around skills that you might have that are unique, or particularly as you start to become more seasoned, you have leadership skills. There is some leeway there, but at the same time, it's going to be a different. Um, landscape as you go out to find work right now.
1: Exactly. And um, also talking about the negotiation, what's hard is the interviewing is all like on Zoom like this, and it's harder to read body language. It's harder to develop, you know, keep it. It's just a different relationship, although it certainly is better than just on the phone. Um, You also might want to push off negotiations until you can have that final meeting face to face. Um, hopefully at the end of, you know, with the month of April. I know.
0: Yeah. Whatever that's going to look like. Yes. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Okay. So what are some other ways, the other ways you can um, help yourself, Mm -hmm. market yourself and, and cut through the noise?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I just want to say also that um, for part of that, April is actually a really good time to look for for jobs. It's not as like intense as January when everybody's like, all right, I got my bonus and I want to, you know, try and change um, careers or change jobs. Um, and so right now it's important to network to find out which jobs are actually real so a lot of times companies will put up like what's called an evergreen rec. and it's basically something that they're looking for all the time um, take recruiting for instance um, they they have re- there's always recruiter jobs posted but they're not always real because they always want to keep a what's they often like to keep a pipeline of candidates and that's always um, the case uh, that that could be the case for a lot of Wrecks that have like revolving doors, or if it's an entry level, or if it's um, inside something like inside sales, you know that would be an evergreen wreck as well because there's always a, a very quick career progression for inside sales. They eventually will move to outside sales or or somewhere else.
0: That's right. Once you
1: find out if they're
0: trainable and they can get it down and they you know how to use Salesforce and all those simple mm-hmm. things, that makes you it gives you ever opportunity to move forward in the organization. So so both make sure the opportunity is real. I heard you say, and then mm-hmm. if you do take those entry level jobs, be aggressive, learn as much as you can, as fast as you can express your desire to do more and kick ass because there are pathways to move up Absolutely. for sure on inside sales. I do know that because they used to work for me. I used to have the inside sales team. So yeah, mm-hmm. that and they, and we loved grooming them like good yes. people went far.
1: Yes, that's great. And, um, and so it's, it's, you have to really network hard and it's a balance between applying online to things that look interesting and also, um, networking with trying to find out who the job poster is, or if you have a connection somewhere, um, in, in you know, twice removed on your LinkedIn profile. Um, but companies aren't quite sure what the shakeout will be yet financially, so hiring managers are focusing right now on other priorities. They're teaching their teams how to remote, how to communicate, getting into that cadence of, you know, making sure that people are feeling heard and busy, and and I think people are actually working harder than ever um, and proving so much about, like, we can work from home, people, the teams are functioning really well. Um, and it's, it's, I think we're going to see a shift also with a working from home, uh, especially in Silicon Valley where, um, it was, um, after Marissa Mayer, I don't know if you remember after Marissa Mayer became the CEO of Yahoo, uh, the work from home became like few and far between. <laughs> and now we're shifting back. I think it's really interesting. Uh,
0: I don't know. I, I know there's some people who take advantage, but my experience like yours is that, Ninety-five percent of the people who work from home do more work because they're home and not in the car, yes. and not doing not and not getting talk, talking in the hallways and all those other things. You actually can do work. Yes, like, do the fun yes. thing we wanted to do.
1: Right, and the lines are blurred. Right, I mean the lines between work or home are even more blurred. So. We want to continue to prove ourselves, but then work is always on the mind and there's no differentiation between work and home. So I think that's also something important is to set the boundaries, you know, when you're um, when you're communicating with your manager and be like, you know, say, hey, I'm going to be offline between 12 and two. That's, you know, I've been working since 8 a.m. and I need to take those you know we have different productivity times um and levels so um the other thing that you can do is to around like job search is like if you're in a position to help others now do it just like you know you're doing Jen you're helping others Um I'm currently helping others um um in different ways and giving free you know uh resume glances and checkovers and things like that. Um, It's just good to not stay isolated. And um, if you need help, uh, let them know specifically what you need. Uh, Not everybody will be able to Support you in the way that's most helpful but maybe they somebody and uh or maybe they can do research within their networks um and right now we're in a in a place where i think communities are really rallying together to support each other so um so i think it's it's can be a really good time for that as well
0: that's so important i know that most of the introverts out there you know who you are you hate asking for help it's not like it's easier for us extroverts it's just that we have a little thicker skin and we're used to it, but, but really it, it really, I, I love what you're saying, Shelly, cause it's really true. Asking for help using your networks, even if you're, sa- you're safest networks, so let's just say Facebook. I know it's not LinkedIn. Maybe you feel too vulnerable on LinkedIn. You can go to Facebook and ask people for help. It's mm-hmm. really okay. That's probably the safest social media out there where it's the people that know you know you have a dog or a cat know what you that you know what happy hour you can only handle one margarita like it's a really safe place to ask for help if you're just learning how so don't be afraid to do it
1: yeah that's so true and another thing especially for introverts if that's really difficult you can hone your skills this is a great time for you to stay on top of your game there's tons of classes on udemy and you know, free classes at, on Harvard and MIT online courses, um, you know, and just really um, honing together, like, how are you going to represent yourself and how are you going to showcase your best skills? I know that, um, you know, how, you know, and, and um, honing in on your elevator pitch, you know, so these are, these are good times to do that as well.
0: You don't even know, but that's just what I was talking about yesterday. There are two podcasts already um, recorded about building your personal brand, part one and part two, where I specifically speak to that, setting your mission statement clearly, what it is you want from your life right now, and then going in and being able to articulate why you're the right person for the job, the task, the, whatever it is, being able to articulate what your attributes are. And then we didn't really get into it, but I still think a cover letter is important. And I, is it, Shelly, does it make a difference?
1: Yeah well, I think if it's a job that you really want it's important, um, but I think that some of that cover letter aspect um, can be translated to what you were just saying, which is great. Um, the mission and your your mission, your personal mission, mission, and your vision for who you are that can be translated onto the resume i like to I like to help people understand that their their mission statement at the top of their resume and that part that should change for every job that's before because what that that should tell the hiring manager is, you know, who you are, you know, where you're going, how you've been successful, and how can you help the company solve their problems? How are you going to be the glue that sticks everybody together to um, be able to um, solve problems? that they're facing. So that they have not what you exactly. have, Exactly,
0: their yes. problems
1: because that's yes. what gets
0: them excited.
1: Yes, absolutely. I can't, I cannot stress that more. It's not about the resume, how it's changed. It's not about look at what I've done. It, it is, but it's not just about that. It's about how, right. How are you going to solve their challenges that they have? So it takes a lot to really I think it is—it's about quant- quality, not quantity, when applying for the jobs, right? Because you—if you have to write that cover letter, say if you decide to be a—you um, know—if you're applying for like to be a, a content writer, that's the perfect place for you to showcase your skills in, your, in the cover letter, uh, to showcase how good of a writer and influencer you are. If you're a copywriter, uh, even in marketing, you certainly have to be a good writer. Uh, and it also shows your business acumen. If you understand, if you can translate, okay, I see that this is your problem at your company. Here's what, Here are my accomplishments of, of how I've solved problems similar and how I can fit it to do the same for you
0: I love yeah it's like I paid you to say that and that's just what I (laughs) talked about yesterday it's so good hearing it from somebody who had to go through the pile of resumes and had to listen and you know really you're right without knowing somebody's been referred or having some way to know this person's worth your time I can't even imagine slogging through the mess
1: Like it's just
0: so many humans, all of them decent humans who have every intention of working hard, but somehow you've got to stand out. So being able to put put yourself in the employer's shoes is a big, big deal. Right. And it is hard and it does take work. You're going to have to practice that
1: skill and have a thick skin don't take it personally at all which is so hard and as a recruiter when i when i talk to if i have a top top 3 to 5 candidates and i like all of them i want to give all of them a job i want to find a place for them wherever they can be a fit and that's the hardest part for me is because i I believe, and that's why I've turned into coaching, is because I believe everybody has a unique skill and has something special and important to offer. That it's um, it's everybody deserves a chance if they're earnest enough, and they're you know have integrity and good values. Everyone deserves a chance.
0: It's so funny, just my love for recruiters. It was a recruiter at Cisco, which I think maybe I'm bitter about this, but she didn't hire me for the job at Cisco because she thought I was too qualified. Had she, I probably would be really rich right now, but she didn't. But what she did do is she called her friend who was looking for someone and said, this person's too, too experienced for my job, but you want to take a look at her. And that created a lasting friendship. This mentor kept me employed for decades. And nice. um, so sure, I had to work for the money, didn't get any of that big Cisco stock. But on the other hand, it was really about those connections that you're talking about with the relationships and, you know, finding the right people for the right fit.
1: Exactly. Yeah, it's great. And you have to follow up. You can't just, you know, um, you have to be consistent, but politely persistent. Um, you know, and always I tell candidates, that if, if you have a verbal interview, uh, make sure that you always ask about what the next steps might be. And don't be afraid to ask for the job.
0: That's yeah. right. And send a thank you
1: yes send a thank you note (laughs) those still matter
0: oh people I cannot believe how many times a friend has applied for a job or had that interview and I'm like you send a thank you right and they're like uh uh it's
1: on email now it's even easier than it used to be it is send the thank you it is but if you really want to stand out send a written one
0: (laughs) does that yeah wow I love
1: getting written thank you notes
0: yeah, they're, those are those are special. I'm just worried about time if it takes too long. But I know it. whenever hiring, That's when good. I get a thank you note, I would actually have a favorable impression of the candidate, even if it wasn't the one I hired. And yes. I would say, I'm going to let my friends know about you because they may not have been a right fit for the company, but I thought, wow, what a decent human. They deserve good karma. I'm going to pay yes. for like, it. So thank you notes are everything, guys. Don't forget that. That is just... I know I sound like your grandmother or your mom, but they matter. <laughs> they just do. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. please remember those. So, okay, you're using another
1: tool now. Yes. And you said it differently
0: than I say it. So say how you say
1: it. Okay, sure. Um, so the, it's the Enneagram. Ennea. Enneagram. Enneagram. Mm-hmm. Okay. it's actually an ancient tool it's th- over 3,000 years old and its precise origins are unknown uh, and it really is um, the ancient Greeks used it and it was brought it it was brought to the West in the early 20th century by this philosopher um, mystic Composer teacher guy named Gurdjieff. and um, and then it uh, fast forward it it hasn't it came it only came to the United States in the 1980s, um, and so what I love about it I took a I'm certified a certified Enneagram coach and what I love about it I I started discovering it because I'm I'm very into self development and self knowledge and awareness, um, and it's it's helps us to understand where our ego resides within oh. our. Um, Fixations and beliefs, and so you know we have this way of um, how we want to be perceived in the world, um, and you know that 's part of our ego aspirational self, but sometimes we have things that happen to be like, man, why do I keep getting into this situation and you keep you keep having the same response and you don 't realize it and um, and then you just get stuck, and so it 's kind of that that philosophy of like, oh, I keep on I keep on expecting different results, but I'm doing the same thing over and over characteristics and our personalities um, that help us with this self-reinforcing loop that we have. And so what's great about the Enneagram tool is that it's for growth and it's so it's for more self-awareness and to help you get unstuck in that one box. And so with that turn, it becomes, it's becomes, um, a way to liberate yourself and we are not our type. We're not pigeonholed into this one, you know, number. It's nine numbers and each number has like a personality type associated with it. And then there are like subtypes and wings and because we're a little bit of all of them. So it just really helps us understand what our typical responses are um, as part of who we are and then figuring out if we can um, change that, if it would be benefit us to change any of that.
0: So that's so important. And um, the microphone cuts out a little tiny bit, so I want to make sure that people got the big point, which was if you keep doing the same thing and you, keep make, and you keep getting the same outcome, you need to change. That's what's important, guys. There's an opportunity for you to increase your self-awareness and for you to figure out a way to change. And that's what this assessment, right? It's an assessment that you use, Shelley, to help people understand where they land.
1: Correct, and yeah, it's for self-awareness and growth, and I'm actually giving away free sessions to do that right now because I want to be, become better at it, so people are welcome to connect with me to do that.
0: Oh my God, that's a screaming awesome thing, and uh, folks, if you there's something you're interested in, this kind of self-discovery right now while Shelly's bored because we're all going to start to get busy again, so it's a <laughs> limited time offer probably by the end of the month, I bet, Shelly is that you have time for this right now while you're, um, yes. build, you know, as you're, you, as you're excited about this new assessment, I know what that's like. Cause I learned some tools too in coaching school and I got so excited about it. Like I need to share this with everybody. This is so cool. So this is your chance. Yeah.
1: I was learning doing, doing some energy, energy, uh, based coaching looks exciting what you're doing too.
0: Yeah, it's very, it's similar in that it's just learning about yourself so you can change your outcomes, which is, I think, I'm really hoping that that's what's happening uh, at a meta level as we're all looking at the way we, our old normal wasn't so good. Right. Our old normal was super consumery. I I don't think there's anybody right now who's not looking around and going, I don't need any more stuff. I just Mm -hmm. don't. I really need everybody to have health care. I really need to yes. not worry about my old people because they should be in enjoying their senior years. That's what oh. I want for me. That's what I want for them. I think we're all realizing that our kids needed us more and we had put them in programs and shuttled them off. And I love that the college board's not, not doing SATs and stuff, or, or not SAT. yeah, SATs. I, you know, there's just so yeah. many things that got so commercialized and so crazy. And it's a chance for us to come back down and start- yes resonating with each other which sounds woo woo but that's not how i mean it i just mean see people listen to people humans are pretty amazing beings yes and so those of us doing this work and, and why i really wanted to do this show is to just start to get people to think about what can i do for myself that would change me that would change the people i'm around that would change how i think about problem solving
1: yeah that's so well said, Jen. i couldn't agree with you more. I just feel that there's a humanitarian collective i pray raises raising consciousness vibration of of um i am i I really believe that to, you know put what you put out is what you're going to get back and uh and i can't tell you how many times i've browsed through like you know clothes on Nordstrom rack or something and i'm like i don't need this like it's it's so liberating to just to not purchase and make those like numb out purchases because of boredom. There's so much more to do right now. And while some days are, you know, kind of sad and, you know, feeling the the, the collective trauma of what we're going through is one. But on the other perspective, my creativity right now is off the charts. And it's, I'm u- trying to use this time in a uh, growth, constructive, exciting way. So... I, yes, I, I think that it's a very special time.
0: It, it really is. And, and for anybody who, when, when we talk about awareness and consciousness, that's just meaning that we want, we're, we're hoping and we're striving to move through the world with intention. Meaning we're making conscious decisions about the choices that we're making. So it's like you just, Shelley, that example of shopping is perfect. I find now, I spend more time on that next door app. And I'm just looking at the stuff people want to get rid of. And -hmm. I'm like, okay, I don't need a lot of stuff. I need a little bit of stuff. Like I would really need a picnic table, but I'm just looking because now it's just, why don't we just all move the stuff around? Mm -hmm. And that satisfies that shopping boredom thing. And yet I'm not, I'm not crapping up the planet. I'm keeping stuff out of the landfill. It's just, that's intention. That's awareness. And that's what we mean by consciousness. Just being love that. really aware of the decisions that we're making and the actions that we're taking to make a difference. Yes,
1: absolutely. Well said. Yes. And I was taking my dog for a walk yesterday and somebody was giving away a bunch of books. I took three of them and I wanted five, but I was like, I think there's going to, I mean, there were like a lot of books. So in any case, Um yeah. No, but that's it. That. I know,
0: but that's it, right? No landfill, share. Yeah. And then next time you can take books back. I mean, the little, little mini libraries are great for that. We can take books back. Yes. Like just you don't need to keep all your books, Mom. I mean, uh, right. everybody. My <laughs> mom <laughs> <laughs> finally learned that. God, she loved I I get it. It's for a while books became like this proof that you read something or that you cared about something. But passing the book along after you read it is half the fun now. I keep wanting it to is. do that on Audible. I'm like but how do I pass this to somebody like, yeah, this is yeah. just too cool. So guys, I'm going to, I'm going to yeah. open it up to any questions. We may or may not have questions, Charlie, but I always open it up in case somebody right. does. And yes. uh, the squad knows to just take themselves off mute and they can just jump in. I think this was such a good discussion and it, I think it's uh, really helpful for people. I'm going to have to, I'm one of the job hunters. I've got to get going on this and I, I do a little bit every day, but, um, but it's tough. It is, it is. Tough. and mm-hmm. and I know how to do it and it's tough.
1: Yes. I
0: know. So, okay. Same. Yeah, we don't have, we don't have any questions today, but okay. that's okay. Cause everybody knows uh, on the slides, uh, it, it, we specifically tell people how to reach you. So if you're interested, um, oops, that's next up is Gloria, but let me get, I have the slide here with um, Shelly's information. She's at shellycarpatti.com and I, I'm going to put a limit on to the end of the month because I don't know what's going to happen, but I want to make sure that people, if they're interested in reaching out to you, they get moving on it and don't assume this offer is good for all time. Cause it's not,
1: yes, it's, yes,
0: it's now. And so please dive in and Shelly, thank you so much for coming today. Uh, tomorrow we do have Gloria who'll talk to us about, talk to us about motivating your team, but this was great. And I hope all of you out there are inspired. And, um, and start moving with that intention and good luck on your job hunt. Good luck on um, advancing your career.
1: Thank you, Jen. It was great to see you.
0: I, uh, thanks, everybody.
1: I look forward to meeting you soon. Bye.
0: Bye.